Hello, and welcome to the Morning Bell podcast, where we interview authors, discuss writing-related topics, and talk about the writing process as a whole. If you want any more information about the Morning Bell and what it is, look up themorningbell.net. If you have any questions or suggestions for topics that you'd like to see discussed, email the co-editor of the Morning Bell, Kezia Lebanski, at the email address kezia at themorningbell.net. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy listening. Hello, and welcome to the Morning Bell podcast. My name is Joel Martin, and as usual, we're at the Brunswick Street Bookstore with my co-host, Luke Manley. Luke, how's it going? How was your week? Bad. Yeah, good. I've been doing a whole bunch of new things with my writing now. So um, oh. I've put up the um, story that I mentioned last podcast, and mm-hmm. now I'm moving into a whole new era. So that's very exciting. Uh, more to come later. What does era mean? Uh, that'll, that's the surprise, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> oh, wow. You're really holding it. Okay. All I'm right. holding it. Yep. I'll, I'll leave yep. it at that. Um, for today's guest, we have Dan Manchuka. Dan is a local writer and blogger who has been published in a number of magazines and is currently working on his first novel, along with his work on the webcomic Melbourne Man. He's one of the organizers of the Melbourne Writers Club and the founder of the Melbourne Readers Club in the CBD. Dan, thanks for coming on to the show. Yeah, thank you. Fantastic. So what is going on, Dan? How has your week been? Um, it's been really great at the moment. Uh, we just had our uh, the Melbourne Readers Club and Melbourne Writers Club for the month. We mm-hmm. meet once a month. And uh, we're currently in the process of putting together the very first Melbourne Writers, Resident, Writers Res- Residency. Yeah. Uh, basically going to create a, a co-share space for workers to come in, for writers to come in, work on their stuff, and mm-hmm. uh, possibly do a public reading at the end of a term. It's, it's very up in the air at the moment, but very Sweet. exciting. All right, so you've got some stuff coming up. Mm-hmm. So what have you all been getting up to this week? Um, personally, I think I shall give it back to Luke. He's going to break. <laughs> I really want to know right now. Um, that, era. <laughs> that era. Mysterious. The era. Mysterious. Well, uh, to sidetrack from that, Joel's been um, getting me onto the <laughs> editing side of things more. We're back on the Eisenwald track. Um, oh, break into my new era. That's right. I've thought that I've been getting a little bit um, too much into my story world. So I've been down it for, what, close to 10 years? Maybe wow. a little bit less than 10 years. And so I thought, a bit, a bit of Joel's encouragement, actually, but I um, thought that I ought to try something new, make it a bit fresh. So, new characters, new world, new rules, new um, new everything, really. So, it's quite exciting. Mm-hmm. Got a few ideas rolling, but uh, again, the hush-hush. So. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what genre? Is it's it still into? fantasy. It's more along the lines of high fantasy than my okay. other stuff, mm-hmm. which was very kind of uh, restricted to... Um, it's still fantasy, but... For instance, magic was very, very, very elemental. Mm-hmm. Was, right, right. There were okay. very strict rules of talking to the elements themselves. Yep. But I'm trying to do something new and interesting. Sounds good. Very cool. Um, writing in a world for 10 years, that probably <laughs> brings you a bit of perspective on your writing for those 10 years. Was the writing, you know, you write, that was young adult fiction. Is mm-hmm. the current thing you're working on, what is it, same sort of age? Um, no, it's going to be... I'm not sure how much older yet. Probably give it ten years, but you can probably start reading it younger if you're desperate. Yeah, um, it's more on the dark and high fantasy. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'd say around late teens. Okay, sounds late good. Late teens, really. Yeah, sounds good. Dan, apart from mm-hmm. the work, what do you do to chill out? Apart from the work, well, um, as you said before, I'm working on my own first novel as well. That doesn't sound like chilling out. <laughs> it's, it actually kind of is. I just kind of. Put the put the blank screen on and, and try and fill it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Aside from yeah. that, I saw Mad Max for the second time this week, which yes. is I, yeah. a really good film. I'm going to hold you on the film. We'll talk, about film yeah. talk, talk, talk later on. Yeah, And um, and also just kind of... Um, I mean, the other part as well is trying to get more involved in my reading as well. I've just started a new Perry, Terry Pratchett book. Oh, Mort. nice. Which one? Uh, Mort. Um, one of the, I just love the deaf character. I love the way he personalized and characterized death yeah and um yeah just getting really back into his books it's <laughs> i think it's just he's just an amazing writer and it's such a shame he's passed on this yeah year. yeah definitely what have i been reading i've been reading you know i have no clue i actually no. that's that's a good question i've been reading um amuse and amaze i think i talked about this on a previous podcast mm-hmm. um but it's basically a book 
that draws it's it's um a non-fiction uh book that talks about uh a relationship the writer has uh to the audience in the same way that a magician uh has to his audience so uh, trying to draw examples from um mm. famous magicians and also authors and understanding the ideas of like what is a trick what is mystery what is the difference between mystery and Oh, no, I forget the I forget the second thing. Mystery reveal? Magic? No, it wasn't the reveal. It was, what's the difference between a mystery and a puzzle? That's the one. Uh-huh. What's the difference between a puzzle and a mystery? And I really enjoy, you know, it's a little inside baseball. Like, you know, it, it very much is the whole, like, oh, you know, being a writer and such. But I think it's, and we talked a bit about this on the last podcast when we were saying, you know, is it... Um, pretentious literary devices. That was the theme of last week's episode, I think. Um, but I really enjoy reading it. And because I think he, uh, I think it's Peter Tetchy is the uh, author. He does a very good job of bringing up examples, not just in the writing sphere, but also in different arts. So for instance, he's talking about self-portraits mm. um, and artists who indulge in that and saying, can we as the author truly divorce ourselves of ourselves in our writing yeah that is it unnatural to do so if we do so to a certain extent does it therefore cut out the reality of the story it's a very very interesting you know it again it's a little inside baseball but yeah i definitely enjoy indulging in that side once in a while so that's currently what i've been reading um but yeah i think that sort of wraps up what we've been going on yeah okay um, in that case, let's get on to hearing about Mad Max. Let's move into our um, film section. Yeah. Yep. So, Mad Max, if you are one of the 10% who might not have seen or heard the story... That would, that would be me, oh, and that would be Luke. Oh, wow. I really wanted to go. It wasn't some sort of like, hey, don't see those kinds of movies. It's yes. not that. It was just I never got the time for it. But. Okay. Well, I don't want to spoil too much, but you probably heard about how it's being looked at as this big cultural thing because one of the main characters, not Mad Max, but um, but Charlize Theron's character is not only a woman, but disabled. She's uh, missing, yeah, yeah. missing an arm. And... Um, and the big the big deal that everyone's making about that fact is the fact that it's not a big deal in the movie. It's she is purely just as functional as capable and as kick-ass as Mad Max is mm, with both yeah. his hands and apparently a penis. Yeah. Like that's he's and that's a big part of it. There's this great scene where um he's holding effectively a sniper rifle yeah. and is tr- and he's got three bullets left and he takes two shots and misses. And she comes up behind him. He kind of goes, "Well, you got a better shot." Hands over the rifle, and then ends up being her. Uh, she leans the rifle on his shoulder, and she ends up. He ends up being her rifle perch. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was just so casual that everyone's like, "Oh my god, this is an amazing scene." <laughs> I kind of wish that it wasn't such a big deal that that kind of scene happened all the time, anyway. Okay. Yes, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Like, it was hammering home the point a bit too much. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Exactly right. Uh, totally at least it's like a constant perch where he walks. Around. <laughs> <laughs> and it just happens in ten seconds. Yeah, Look, yeah. It's a great yeah. scene, and it just kind of highlighted that here's this guy again, just kind of going, "Yep, you got a better shot. Take the gun." Yeah, yeah. And just move on. Um, I mean, similar kind of thing uh, to me happens in Avengers. Like a lot of people talk about how uh, Scarlett Johansson character, Black Widow, is just window dressing. Mm. But if you look at her p- point in the story, she's actually a very functional, very capable yeah. character. Um, you know, it'd be great when the vast majority of, of Avengers actors aren't just guys named, white guys named Chris. Yeah. Hopefully they're going to up the diversity on that a bit more. See, I, the, the, I'll jump <laughs> in on that one. Tony. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tony. Uh, the interesting thing that you said there was, you know, there is that one woman who's hmm. Black Widow in the Avengers, right? And I think it is because of the fact there's only one. All the hopes and dreams and expectations that you want in a character... Uh, in a female character is put on her. I'm going to disagree with you that there's only one. Yeah, Mariah Hill, Kobe Smulders' character. Yeah, the ah, yes, the uh, second in command. But she's not a technically an Avenger in that way, you know. No, but at the same time, and one of the things that I love about that character is her gender is irrelevant. Yeah, to the exactly. Story. She's just a very capable agent. Yeah. Um, hmm. But then again, but you need to start looking into Agents of Marvel. Uh, sorry, a Agents Shield, of yeah. Shield on telly. Yeah, that no. makes. Oh, a bit more of a big deal about the fact that they've got female characters and we're diverse. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of. <laughs> Sometimes you can, you know, push it a bit much and it's just yeah. like, I think the best is when you just 
tell a story and whatever you've got in that, if that is the case, mm. then you just go with that. And and you treat it in a way that's um, not trying to make a point, I think. That's yeah. when I like it, you know. Um, I haven't seen Mad Max, so I can't comment on that. But, um, yeah, it sounds interesting. It's <laughs> very fun. Yeah. Anything Anything else you've watched this week or want to talk about? Um, oh, just in terms of uh, on, on the screen, the other movie I saw recently was... Um, in Pursuit of Happiness, it was a Simon Pegg movie, yeah. uh, where he basically travels around. He want, decides he wants to find out what happiness is. He's a, a psychiatrist who yeah. has no idea. Oh, I, I know this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, so he travels to Asia and Africa and LA and is all about trying to discover what happiness means to different people. Mm. And it switches between him and his wife. Is this? Or? Well, so he basically fiance, just le- well girlfriend. Yeah. So part of the issue is he's just kind of stuck in a rut. Yeah. He's doing the same thing in and out. He's um, and he just realizes that he's not unhappy, but he's not happy. Yeah. And he starts questioning whether or not he can be happy. Yeah. Hmm. And so he just deci- he just kind of flips out and starts getting really angry about it. Nothing. And then he sa- decides that he he's going to basically leave. Mm. And it kind of puts his girlfriend on a well, what about us scenario, and. Um, and that kind of th- that unfolds throughout the movie as well as him going this experience potentially cheating on his girlfriend and yeah. f- facing that moral choice, uh, getting kidnapped at one stage as well, and going for that complete terror of "Am I about to die?" Mm. Um, and then other things as well that happen that completely change who he is. Knowing Simon Pegg mm-hmm. and knowing the kind of films he acts in, you know, they're comedies for the yes. most part. This one didn't seem like it was all about that comedy, though. It's not. It's a yeah. very dramatic movie. Yeah. Um, look, he, when he puts on scary face, there's a very much a, a case of, oh my God, I saw that face in Hot Fuzz. Yeah, and yeah. That's, you know, that's Simon Pegg. But look, I, I think that com- comedic actors make some of the best dramatic ones. Yeah. Definitely, and Simon Pegg for one of possibly what his very first, if not very early, dramatic role, does a really good job there. Sounds good. Sounds very good. A bit like Robin Williams, I guess. Oh yeah, 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 yeah exactly. fantastic dramatic yeah, actor. Dramatic, yeah. Um, and then you rewatch Aladdin and go, he's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> Flubber. Uh, yeah. There's a few different ones. I yeah, think. yeah. Luke, um, um, have you got anything for us? Well, you had I a lot last week. I did have a lot last week. I mean, one that I didn't mention that was either. Well, somewhere around a month ago was a mm. beautiful mind. Yes, I good seen movie. That one. Good um, movie. I I really liked the the way that it went into this character who, um, if he was healed, he was no longer functional. So, like, it's yeah, a bit like it, it. It reminded me of the um, the artist world that we live in, mm. where we're like really mad people, <laughs> and you yes. know, if if we were suddenly healed of I don't know depression or art- artisticness, whatever you want to call it, yeah. yeah. Um, for a lot of artists, it is depression, mm-hmm. um, uh, cynicism, all these other things that anxiety. some people would say, yeah. anxiety, all these things that people would think are afflictions. Then we probably wouldn't. We have lose our artist, artistry yeah. left in us. <laughs> So that, that's I guess actually it, really it went through an interesting me, yeah. thing. Yeah. Our average life expectancy might go up, but the outcome <laughs> would suffer terribly. I mean, what's the point? <laughs> if you can't produce good art, you know? What life? <laughs> <laughs> Is that really life? Yeah. But that that went that uh, hammered home to me, anyways. Even though I'm not a mathematician. Yeah. But yeah. Um, his brilliance comes from. Yeah, yeah and then him. he just had to come to terms with his imagination. I thought, gosh, I would love an imagination like that where they're imaginary people. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, have yeah. it, but it's not quite that real. Is that <laughs> a bit spoilery? I think that's a bit spoilery. Oh, come on. I mean, uh, also, there, let's there face it, it's a pretty old it. film. I, and yes. You're probably going to cut the spoiler out, but... Um. <laughs> no, I'm not going to. I've, it, it's, a weird, it's a weird discussion, um, yes. and I think I'd like to have this discussion to a small extent, and then we'll go on to the films of uh, what else you've seen. Mm-hmm. But, like, when we... And I think this is more a directed towards the audience. Yeah. When we talk about films and when we critique films, mm-hmm. I think you can't tr- do that without fully talking about that film. Yeah. If you're going yeah. to hold back elements, you're never truly going to it's understand not what be an in-depth critique. Yeah, it's not going yeah. to be an in-depth critique. And to a certain extent, we don't do in-depth critique. We yeah. just generally glaze over and tell you yeah. what we like. We try and keep the huge spoilers, you know. Um, them. kept quiet yeah and but when we do talk about the film we do jump in so i mean for the audience if, if you want to skip up you know five six minutes and just check I, i'd say go ahead but mm. yeah films i think just like books are incredibly interesting to look at completely so 
with that lecture. Um, <laughs> now it's back to me. Now, now it's back to you. I've got to watch out no, for the spoilers in the next one. No, no, no. you got to. I mean, now you can say whatever you want. Out of everything. Oh, yeah. Like oh, okay. Well then, um, <laughs> what I watched today actually the ending was of Braveheart. Night Watch. <laughs> oh, Night the Russian Watch. movie. Yes, the Russian, Russian movie. Film. Ooh. And I've I've liked a lot of different Russian films I've watched recently, yeah. but Night Watch is the first like modern fantasy, modern fantasy. I've ever seen from so, Russia. That was cool. So just to explain to anyone who might not have seen the movie, mm. I saw it years and years ago. It's basically Harry Potter with The Matrix, <laughs> is how I'd probably describe that. Would you kind of concur to a certain extent? I haven't seen all of it yet. I've only seen the first part, so I would say okay. that I was missing The Matrix and just the Harry Potter so far. Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, I think one of the first things that kind of intrigued me about it, I, I'm not, I haven't seen it all yet, so yeah. I don't know what it ends uh, up being. Can I still, spo- can I spoil the ending now? Uh, still- I mean, <laughs> 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 we're still in the window, right? <laughs> yeah, all right, all right. <laughs> I think the first thing that intrigued me was when it opened up with this battle scene. I mean, that's not a spoiler, it's the opening scene. Yes, um, it's in the trailer too. <laughs> it's yes. in the start. It's probably in the trailer, yeah. But, um, and then light and dark, they just stop and say, all right, guys, we're going to have a truce. You guys can watch us. We'll watch you. And that's, that's it for the next. And then they create mortal combat to solve their differences. No, that's like a a few few thousand years. That was not a spoiler. (laughs) That was was mere interjection. (laughs) It's like just a few hundred years where they just settle down and say, okay, bad guys and good guys exist together. And they call them the evil and the good. That's. The light and the dark. And they just live mutually for like ages and ages. It's I'd, something that you don't often see in the books. Usually there's just like an ongoing battle between them the whole time. I disagree with you <laughs> saying that they're, it's good and evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's light and dark. Light so and dark. It's, Sorry, more, yeah. it's more yeah. about there's light guys, and some of them are, fr- are pricks that yeah, probably yeah, yeah, sure. deserve, deserve yeah, a shotgun true. on the back of the head. Yeah. And there's the dark ones that are also, they're kind of okay, but they also have to live by drinking blood. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so there's moral quandaries yeah, on both sides. Mo- yeah. A bit of moral quandaries. Now, Sorry, um, yes, it was the light and the dark. Yeah. But it's actually there's actually four books uh, from this series. This movie's based on a book yep. series. Yep. Have you by any chance read the books? I haven't read them. I know they're there. I've only just heard of the yeah. series. So. They're completely separate. <laughs> I've got sure, nothing to do yeah. with yeah. them. Yeah. They've yeah. got tomes, aren't they? So so that's not yeah. like you can really put them in a movie. Well, I, I, I think the the author had a bit, a bit of an in joke where um, one of the characters in the first movie, um, who's completely different, is a complete different tangent in the book. Yeah, <laughs> but he kind of talks about how he had a dream, and the dreams are the events of the movies. Yeah, so they kind of had this. Oh, that's joke that they happened in but an alternate universe in this guy's head. Okay. So it's just it's almost like, that was taking the twist of like <laughs> yeah. it's all a dream. Kind it was all of a thing. dream, and yeah. you know, because. I, 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 um, I don't want to spoil it. I, I'm, I really That's don't right. want to spoil right. it. But um, but basically, this character turns out to be another character's son. Yeah, yeah. And but in the books, he isn't. There's no familiar relation. Yeah, yeah. So I had this dream that you and I were my son, and all this stuff yeah, happened, yeah. and everything went to <laughs> shit. And but now we're here, and we're in a completely different space. Let's keep on going. Yeah. And that's the fourth book. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. No, I did. I had no idea it went that deep. I I expected. I saw the. I think I heard about this movie a long time ago, mm. and mm. I was like, "I'm I didn't watch it, but yeah, it sounds interesting. Very give fun. it a shot." Yeah, I was curious. Anything else on your list? I uh, no. All I right. Don't. Well, I transitioning. I guess is that a foreign film? Would yes. you? It, yes. it, is it in Russian or is it? In, oh yeah. Okay. So <laughs> it's in Russian, German. See, this is the a, Eng- even the English version was actually it's yes yeah, English dub, but it's by the same actors, and I believe. Okay. So oh. it's like right heavy Russian accents. That's in the English cool. translation. Which I'm a big I was, fan of that. I was impressed. Yeah. I was well, like, it's wow. Russian scenery. Um, you can't yeah. understand it all, but it's the the good guys disguise yeah. themselves as being the electricity company, so they provide light, <laughs> and they go around in this big uh, energy truck. Wow, that feels a bit hamfisted. I don't know. <laughs> that, I mean, it feels incredibly hamfisted, but at the same time, it's kind of like I like that. That's yeah. that's very blatant symbolism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, the reason I was asking is because I was trying to transition into a really good segue, but by trying to qualify it, I guess the segue's fallen over. Because I watched, Yeah, <laughs> Hamfisted. There you go. Um, just like that electricity truck. Um, I watched a film, uh, and I'm, if you've heard a couple episodes before, I'm a big fan of the Danish film industry. I, I really admire their movies um, and a lot of their actors. And so I guess it came as a bit... Um, it's tough for me to say I didn't like this movie or mm. I didn't love this movie. Uh, it was called The Salvation. Um, 
it's uh, I guess the star of the film is Master Mickelson, and mm. he's done a few Western roles as well. Um, but I'm a big I, actually a good example would be Hannibal. He's uh, mm. Hannibal in in the series, um, but he's a very talented actor and. The work he does in The Salvation feels good. It definitely feels they didn't use him to what he could do. Yep. It feels like his character was muted. Now, to give you a bit of background, The Salvation is a Danish um, film that's set in the Old West. Uh, mm. And the two characters, of four characters, are Danish, uh, trying to survive in this, you know, in, in America, West. in the yeah. Wild West. Um, very early on in the story... Um, yeah, it, very early on in the story, his wife and his kid are killed. Uh, mm-hmm. the revenge is the motivation for the entire movie. Um, that's it. Yeah, That's actually it. There is no more nuance. There is no more complexity to the film than that. And, mm. and to me, one, being a huge fan of simple westerns, like yeah. it, you have to qualify by saying that I love westerns. I've watched so many in my time. But... Um, I've watched a lot of Danish films, and to me, I don't know. It just it feels lackluster. It feels like they didn't have the you know that sort of didn't synergize. Really yeah, well. it, it, I don't know if it didn't synergize, but it just didn't have either. You know, mm. it didn't have the stuff that could make it a good western, uh, and it didn't have the stuff that could make it a good Danish film. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that 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 was the salvation to me. Very very disappointing, in fact, because an yeah. epiphany. <laughs> <laughs> it was an epiphany that they make. Oh, sort of all right. (laughs) They sort of make not that great movies as well. Um, (laughs) But yeah, that that was the one movie, and the second movie is Ex Machina, and I've been wanting to see this one for a very long time, um, ever since it came out. Mm. It's basically a film of AI, right? Talks about the idea of AI. It's set in pretty much a single location, Mm -hmm. a single building, um, with basically three characters. And I think um, it so far ranks up there as some of the, uh, I guess, one of my favorite films of this year Um, because of the way that, one, it does dialogue. The dialogue in that film is, there are some parts of it that feel a bit heavy, that feel like, wow, you really tried to push that message on me a little (laughs) too much that normal people wouldn't say that. (laughs) It feels like that. But I think that's easily ignored, and I feel like even you can excuse it at some times mm. because of the type of characters that you've got. Um, it's basically uh, an employee wins a competition uh, to go and visit the employer uh, at his you know, yeah. hu- huge house in the mountains where he owns all the mountains and everything. Um, and it's basically the employer showing him this new project he's working on, this AI. Mm. Uh, dialogue was great. The setting was really good. I love the idea that you're trying to play with images such as keeping the AI inside, whereas outside is really beautiful. It's, you know, you've got all these different, uh, the symbolism is there. Um, they definitely reference a couple of things mm. that would bring up. And yes, you, for me anyway, I could sort of see where it was going at the end. The big reveal at the end mm. didn't feel like the biggest reveal, but it didn't matter to me because I think the film as a whole was so finely crafted. The problem I have with a lot of, I guess, art films is they can be a little ha- like heavy-handed with the way they do messaging. Yeah, I don't think that's the case with Ex Machina. I think it's a very, very good film. Uh, somebody said the trifecta of modern AI films is Chappie, uh, Her, and mm. Ex Machina, okay. and I have yet to watch the other two. Mm. Um, but yeah, that that's been mm. my film experience of the week. Very, very happy with Ex Machina, and a little disappointed with. The salvation, <laughs> the salvation. <laughs> yeah but um yeah it, it sounds like you were from both from the description of both those films it sounds like that they were just really heavy-handed with the tropes and that you were kind of expecting from an ai or western film in each case yeah and that took you out of the world a little bit yeah like with x Machina, i definitely don't think it did like mm. it didn't pull me out at all at mm. any point in that movie um i felt like i was i totally got what was going on you yeah. know like um the scientific sort of mumbo-jumbo, the way they're trying to explain how they create the AI, <laughs> AI yeah. w- they didn't focus on it because they knew that wasn't what they're trying to say. They're not Nobody talking. Cares. Nobody cares about the technology. <laughs> like, it, But the one thing that was very important to the creation of the AI, they emphasized. And you could see that play out, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was lovely. It was a great, great film. Um, 
but yeah, you're right. The salvation def- definitely felt, uh, and basically this is the ending, ladies and gentlemen. So skip mm. a little if you want to miss this. But basically, the ending was a character where there's a scene where two characters who were not really, uh, they're not friends, then, yeah. but neither are they that antagonistic antagonistic to each other even though they both sort of did things the other disagrees with they both hold a gun to each other mm-hmm. uh, Eva Green and uh, Mars Mickelson and Eva Green in this film is a mute right so they hold a gun to each other and then they're like oh we won't kill each other and then they put it down and you're like okay I understand that you're not friends but you're not going to kill each other yes. yeah you want to move on literally five minutes after that scene some you know western you know the traditional bad sheriff yeah. somehow becomes a bad sheriff um shows up and he's like oh she's coming with me you know and then he's like no she's with me we're going together and i'm like what <laughs> you're, you're gonna kill her a second ago yeah, yeah. It, and it felt and that sort of demonstrates to me hmm. what like yeah it just and they just like right off into the sunset together and you're like mm. no no wasn't earned wasn't earned yeah yeah it felt like yes you could say no you know, Although, we'll just give it another ten minutes that, of yep. exposition. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe that situation itself, like where you, where somebody's pulled a gun down from you, maybe that instantly bonds you. Maybe you know? <laughs> there's something about that that I've we, never had. We happen, need to so. hold pistols at each other now, <laughs> and then we we'll love each other for centuries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we will defend each maybe other I against evil missed, sheriffs. Maybe I just missed the human culture session. I don't know. <laughs> but like, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I think that sort of wraps up our. Um, discussion on films. If you, any of you have comments or films you want to talk about, go for it. Nope. nope. If not, then we'll move it to the topic. No, Dan, yes. tell us what we're talking about. Um, oh, so just basically about my two clubs and, yep. um, and getting mm. involved with those. So the main club I wanted to talk about is, is My Baby, the Melbourne Readers Club. Um, put simply, it, I started off about eight, eight months ago now, so it's less than a year old. Mm-hmm. And the basic idea is that we all go down to a bar in Melbourne called the Kelvin Club. And people just get together, bring their own books, and hang out and read. So it's not a book club. You're not expected to bring all the same books and talk about it. It's not a... uh, I mean, people can come and chat and all the rest. They're certainly not against talking. But the idea for it... The reason why I run it myself is because I stopped reading novels. I used to love reading novels as I was a kid. Read tons. Loved them. Became an adult and stopped reading novels and started reading articles, started reading blog posts, started reading Twitter, started reading Facebook, and I stopped reading stories. Mm. So with this club, what I decided to do was I want to create a regular time, the, f- the second Tuesday of each month from 7pm, where I'll sit down and read a novel. And I invite other people to come along and join me. And it's been really fun. It's been get- really great getting to know a few people who, co- who come in regularly. Yeah. Um, that's been awesome, but also just means that in the past few months, I've sat down and finished, actually finished four novels. Hmm. which I wasn't doing for the past five... I haven't read four novels in five years before yeah. that. And, um, What's the club called? It's the Melbourne Readers Club. It is Melbourne Readers Club, yeah. So that's its official name. If you if you go on meetup.com slash melbreadwrite. Mm-hmm. Um, reason why it's called that is because it's got the sister club of the, re- the Writers Club. Yeah. The Writers Club, yeah. Yeah. Which is the second club that I kind of co-organized with Sandy Seeger, who's going to be a future guest on the podcast. Yep. Um, she founded the, that club. And basically what we do with that one is that first Tuesday of each month, we all meet in another bar, that La Vida Buona, in, uh, in Melbourne CBD. And we get a guest speaker in, and they talk about their own process of writing and how they got involved mm-hmm. and, and their, ex- their publishing experience and things like that. Um, hmm. With that club, we're trying to get a nice variety going. So we've had graphic novelists, we've had editors, we've had... Um, just recently, we had a script a script writer who just who'd done a bunch of plays. We're going to get a business writer and a blog and a content copywriter in. Uh, at some stage, I'd love to get a children's author in, because um, I guess my own feeling when it comes to writing is a lot of people, myself included, when it comes to a definition of a writer, get stuck on the word novelist and forget that there's other ways you can get your words out there. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, that Except was journalism. Don't don't advertise that. <laughs> journalism doesn't count. No, <laughs> journalism does count. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to discount anybody who might yeah. want to write an article in their age about what I do. Uh, you guys do a great job. <laughs> wow. But um, yeah, so, so the writers' club is more formal than the readers' club, then, isn't it? Oh, look, they're both incredibly informal. If I turn up somewhere in my t-shirt, it's hard to call anything. Oh, so I don't, I don't mean but, formal of presentation, but it's more more structured. Oh yeah, so the, the idea is more that you get this guest speaker, and actually yep. last last week, two week oh two weeks ago now we had a um a game developer come in talking about his game books that he wrote, 
uh, he, he his name's Neil Renderson. He does he runs Tin Man Games. Tin Man Games, yeah. Um, and they're just really fun, and they're just kind of hark back to the old adventure books I was growing up with. But yeah, so it's, it's more formal that we have mm. these guest speakers come in. Yeah, my intention is to show that there are different ways to write books. Um, that's been my own personal writing experience. Mm-hmm. Again, for a very long time, I was hung up on the fact that if I wanted to be a writer, Novels. I needed to publish a novel. You needed a block of text. Yeah. I yeah. needed a, a wall of text. text. <laughs> and it messed with my mind. Yeah. I honestly couldn't imagine being able to spew that amount of information out on the story. Um, mm-hmm. I was very fortunate. I was given an iPad by my wife and was told to do something creative with it because she <laughs> she knew intuitively that I had something that creative I could yeah. do. I started my blog as a result of that, melbtown.com.au. Um, bit quiet lately, but for a long time there I was writing daily reviews of restaurants, of shows, of events that were coming up and things like that. Hmm. Um, that in itself led to other things. I got a bit bored with that. I created a Twitter account for a Melbourne-based superhero called Melbourne Man. Yeah, that's right. Who I regularly pretend to, occasionally pretend to be, occasionally pretend to have arguments with. <laughs> Depending, if you follow both our Twitter accounts, yeah. you'll see me get bored and... He'll call me a coffee a coffee monkey, and uh, I'll respond <laughs> in kind. Um, incidentally, on that note, if you do it, one fun way, if you do have a character in mind and you want to kind of flesh them out, maybe do think about creating a Twitter account for them and let them leash the, unleash them on the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I don't recommend doing it for too long because your personality will eventually turn on you. <laughs> <laughs> Schizophrenia, oh, yeah. self inflicted. <laughs> Look, he's a very simple character. He's um, he's concerned about coffee. He rates movies based solely on how many capes. There are in the movie, mm-hmm. so oh, I mean, look, you have that common there. <laughs> so he's very proud. He, he liked the Avengers solely because there were two characters that had capes and one that deliberately grew one from himself. Yeah. So he was very pleased with the Avengers, um, and he just pleased in being kind. Yeah, and that's what he does for the most part. He also gets kind of cool super villains as well, like the uh, Hay Fever Hulk who's uh, basically a <laughs> sentient pollen cloud that tries to take over Melbourne fairly regularly. I mean, it often does. Let's yes. face it. Yeah. Oh, with, with the... Um, mm. with the um, Didn't mean to click my fingers to do that by right. default. Fetch me! <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. With the Melbourne Readers Club. Yes. Talk to me about... You know, you said you... Basically, that was an entrance of how you, you started reading again. You know, yeah. uh, novels. Um why was it time was it um what got in the way look i think the same things are getting away of anybody doing anything they want to do um as i said i was reading and i was kind of convincing myself that i was reading i wasn't reading anything Mm. that used my imagination um you know there's a world of difference between spending a couple of hours a month reading terry pratchett to reading the latest technology news in the age articles and that's what i was reading that's what i was spending my time on yeah that's what i still spend the rest of my month yeah on national geographics no, I wish I could even read the claim I was reading. <laughs> no, I had chaos blog stuff like that. Mm. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. PC you, gamer reading crap along the way. Reading way too much Facebook. I was reading every single Twitter article, uh, Twitter thing that somebody posted for a long time, and um, it just—it was killing my imagination. Yeah, <laughs> it was just killing my imagination. Just yeah. killing the way. You know, I was watching movies, and movies aren't the same as books. Nope. They can activate the imagination, but not nearly the same way. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I do think it's important as as any kind of writer that you do read and you read what you like that you want, what you want to write. Yep. Um, I think that's vital because I kind of I kind of do talk about this in my writing process when it comes to tropes. Mm. You need to know the tropes of your own genre in so order to write them. something a book. Yeah, yeah. And it's okay to embrace them or avoid them, yep. but you need to be aware. You of need them. to know them. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. I um, had this argument with a friend of mine recently who's writing his own fantasy novel where he was just racking his brain because he wanted to create a flying mount for these powerful uh, leaders that he has in, yeah. his, um, in his world. And he's coming up with all these imaginative things. I'm like, that's great. Why don't you just have them ride dragons? It just skips straight to the end of, if somebody rocks up flying a dragon, you know that there's something to be reckoned with. Yeah, yeah. It skips a lot of the crap <laughs> yeah, he was yeah. trying to throw into the middle and simplify the story. Mm. Whether or not he takes my advice or not, that's entirely up to him. Yeah, But that was a way of being able to skip this extra crap he was trying to throw in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think it's absolutely vital to read. I think it's vital to put that time aside. Mm-hmm. If you want to come along and do it with me, great. Turn up 7pm on the second Tuesday. But otherwise, just do it yourself. You can do it in your lounge room. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. With being a... That's an interesting word. A social reader. Yeah. Um, 
what does that entail? Like, what is the benefit of, you know, being in a group of people reading together? Because technically, you're still alone. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> with and, your work or and, whatever you're reading. And look, one, one of the, one of the thing, conversations I had with my wife when I first started, started up this group was, when do people talk? And I said to her, ideally, never. Yeah. <laughs> it's a meetup for introverts. It yeah. is a meetup for people who do not want to talk, yeah. but want to go hang out with people. And look, with anything, that if you create a group of people to working on the same thing, yeah. it creates a sense of, of community. Um, that's nice and it doesn't mm. always have to require words it can just be working on a shared thing yeah and that working on a shared thing is reading this this Melbourne uh, based novel that I was reading at the time mm-hmm. or reading something in your iPad it helps yeah but it also means that um, at least for me I knew I, was, I know I was spending at least two hours a month reading a novel yeah and again it just sounds so pathetic that I need to schedule that into my life I'm mm. not that busy a person mm. But I guarantee that's the minimum I've read per month now. Yeah. I, th- I think that's almost a good thing, like scheduling something, reading time almost. Um, mm. Because I guess within our industry as well, it's, you know, writing. Um, you often write a lot. Uh, and it's funny, when you write a lot, you hardly get time to read because you're so consumed with your own words. Mm. Uh, and I ta- we talked about this with Helen Melty uh, when she came on. To, to the po- uh, podcast, Dr. Helen Milty, and yeah. she talked about the the vital importance of reading as a writer. Mm. Um, it's the lifeblood, you know. It's why we write, yeah, uh, to be read. Um, and I think that's incredibly important. It's like you know what you exactly said with your with the Melbourne Writers Club. Mm. Um, it has a different focus. It's more on industry. It's more on hearing people and talking about different forms of writing. Yeah. Um, what's the most interesting form of writing that you've had so far? Look, I think, I think that you, people need to be open to all forms of writing, regardless mm-hmm. of how interesting it is that yeah. they find it themselves. Um, Mel- to use my own example, the Melbourne man character, I first started him on Twitter. He's been on Twitter for almost a year now. Mm. And, um, but Twitter's a really ephem- ephemeral. It yeah. doesn't last very long. Nobody's going to ever read about the time he turned into a were-penguin. Yeah, yeah. That's gone now. That's fine. <laughs> it was really fun at the time. Yeah. It was a week-long adventure on Twitter. It's gone. So I started making webcomics, and that's a different format. Yeah. I'm looking, I'm, I've had an idea for a graphic novel I've kind of shelved at the moment. Um, that might turn into a screenplay. I'm not too sure. That's yeah. a bit of a... Uh, a Dick Tracy parody that I've kind of been kicking around in the mm. back of my head for a while now. I think people, when it comes to forms of writing, be aware that there's other ways of getting it out there. Be okay with experimenting. If you're writing, if you've got this great idea for a scene and you're not able to work it into a short story or a novel or whatever your default setting may be in writing, maybe think about turning into a screenplay and read up a little bit about that mm. because that might be another way you can get that story out there. Yeah. Um, a great person we had a great uh, graphic novelist come through he wrote the list and i'm forgetting his name and but i'll i'll it'll come up to me in a moment he wrote this graphic novel called list and it's a really good really dark mm. uh graphic novel it started life as a script so it was this movie script he wrote he finished it off he chucked it in the drawer and didn't touch it for years <laughs> forgot about it he moved house and found it again and he pulled it out and thought oh no, this doesn't work as a script, but maybe I can rejig it into a graphic novel. So he found an illustrator, published this graphic novel, and now it's out and it's doing quite well. Hmm. To the point where it's now being optioned for a movie and it's getting returned back into a script. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> ironic. Yeah. That's so funny. it's gone full circle. Yeah. Oh. But And it wouldn't have done that. It wouldn't have gone through that entire oh, journey yeah. if he hadn't been willing to change the format it was in. Mm. So regardless of format, be aware that there's other ways it can be out there. Yeah. Mm. Luke. Um, when it comes to like different formats, you know, you've played around with short formats, long, long form stuff. Yeah, I've played, I've done, um, a lot of it's self-published. So Mm. I've played around with episodic versions of, um, like mid-sized things. I actually, no, my, (laughs) my first book was all episodes, wasn't it? It was like a daily post. It was a a diary. That's interesting. The diary format. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The whole diary diary format format. of a, was it 110,000 words or so? Yeah. Wow. That it was in a fantasy world. Days, it fit on every, the mic pillow. <laughs> 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 every day, a few, every few days or something. Yeah, so, yeah, I, yeah. It was quite experimental. Um, since we're talking about that, you know, hmm. since we jump into that, like, why, why was the diary format 
convenient to you. And I think it's important to this discussion because we're talking about things that work for different people, you know, yeah. work for different stories as and well. Being a kid experiment. <laughs> yeah. Why that? Was it because you could... And it's not like a diary from what where it's a realist story. It's a fantasy story. Mm. Um, what gave you the idea? Didn't you think, oh, this could just work as a third-person novel? Why diary? Because um, there's restrictions yeah, on that Yeah, I format. originally was looking at um, doing third person and then I thought oh actually it was a combination of things really because first of all I was doing my my writing course and one of the teachers was like you should make sure you're writing every day you gave this little calendar chart of things to tick every single day yeah when you're writing I was like you know I'm actually writing I, the first time I'd ever done a diary ever was or diary journal whatever you want to call it um for myself was 2010 and 2011 was when I started this I thought, look, I've managed to actually do a diary for myself. What if I did one for another character? And I wasn't, it wasn't actually going to be a book. It was just going to be like, I don't know, the start of some story of a chronicler for the world. Mm. And then he turned into his own story, his own world and everything as I was going. And um, it was very restrictive format. I know I've talked to Joel about that a mm. few times. Um, because you do have to pull apart events from within a character's diary. You can't just sort of look at it from from an omniscient point of view or yeah. see other characters around and what they might be doing. Mm. Then maybe he... It has to be something he actually thinks of at the end of the day to write down in a book. And it also takes away tension because it you takes know away the character survives yeah. Yeah. To, to write. It takes away tension, so you have to put intention in other ways, yeah. which mm. is which was interesting. It was very curious. Potentially lack of survival of secondary characters. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And um, another thing is he never really turned out to be an extremely exciting character himself because he was a window into the world instead. So yeah. you've got all these other interesting characters around him that he sees... And he gets to know and he gets like attached to and um, they kind of develop him a little bit. But um, he does develop, but he's not as interesting as the characters around mm. him. Yeah. And that's part of the, the way that it was presented. Because it was it. experimental. Like your yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> because it was experimental. Um, do, you, do you think that you shy away from that now? Like, do you think you won't do something that different because you've done it and you're like, hmm. No. I did enjoy it. I don't know if I would go quite that experimental again. Not for a whole hundred and ten thousand words. Yeah, um, I might do some other shorter things. I've still, I've still play around with experimental ideas. Like um, I call them text sketches, but I'm sure people like to call them flash fiction, um, or microfiction, microfiction, whatever it's called, yeah. something like that, where I just throw in like a sort of a poetic image of yeah something that happens in whatever world I'm writing it. Mm. Um, all of it's very good for putting on websites. It's all small stuff. I'm not as... I haven't got the budget to do a um, graphic novel, unfortunately. Mm. <laughs> I would like to very much, but I haven't got the budget for that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I can't draw, so that's the other question. <laughs> and <laughs> well, then you can go like I can do stick figures, stick figures, but I don't yeah, know exactly. if stick yeah, figures stick counts figures. as an outlet. Well, if it, if it counts at all, my, uh, my webcomic, each panel's 32 by 32. And right? it's and it's um, pixel art, isn't it's it? It's very pixel art. Yeah. I, I don't think even... Uh, when you're talking 32 by 32, I think you're just calling it blocks. Like, there's, <laughs> there's no definition. There's no Are shading. These Minecraft screenshots? <laughs> they, they, it's the... It's two D version of Minecraft. Yeah, yeah, I tried to draw scenes. I tried in one of my earlier ones. I draw the art center, and I was just like, "Good enough." <laughs> <laughs> It'll do. Rat walked away. <laughs> uh, but even in that, you have creativity. Like even within restrictions, like, you know, what did somebody say? Within restriction comes creativity. You know, mm. because you are able to play around in that medium. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, his medium for a long time was Twitter, and Twitter's an extremely restrictive oh, yeah, form definitely. of fiction. Yeah. Um, you know, it's hard to have a storyline. It's yeah. beyond the 140 characters. Of course, yeah. <laughs> so, Unless you say continue at the end of everything, it'd be very frustrating. Reply yeah, to yeah. It. Just, just oh, keep the hashtag every time. Just keep the hashtag. Oh, yeah. and then you're down to 132 characters. Oh. Yeah. So a lot of times it, he... You can kind of make assumptions there as well. Like, mm. you assume that your character's going to live mm-hmm. in your diary. But what if you're writing about somebody who's on death row, who you know is going to die at the end of the mm. story? Yeah, exactly. So you can make assumptions about where it's going to go as well to yeah. kind of shortcut to the end. 
and mm. baby's going for redemption. Who knows? Yeah, it's it's a lead up. You know, you yeah. you know the ending. There's a lot of mm. stories where you know the end result. Oh, it's even shown to you the end result, but it's the the route to it. You know, yeah. it's a bit like we talked about Valkyrie on last week's. Yeah. Um, the Tom Cruise version, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, and even the story, right? Mm. Like, um, we know the ending. Yeah, Hitler's not going to die. Yeah, uh, with that um, plot, but it's all about you know, it's about the characters, it's about the journey, and all that mm. kind of thing. With experimental, even within my writing, like you're right, it it was novels, you know, for me for for a long time. It's like writing novels, mm. and going through the traditional um, publishing route, trying to do that sort of route for a while, um, and then realizing that you know what, I'm going to take a break after the, the first novel. Mm. Um, there was a lot of questions that I needed to ask myself about my writing, about what my writing suits and things like that. <laughs> and I went through all sorts of things, right? I went did short stories, did screenwriting for a while, yeah. um, uh, plays, or tried to go through like monologues and theater and things like that. And then I was, I thought, novellas. It yeah. seems like such a weird thing to say because people go like, duh, you know, <laughs> shorter novels. Yeah, yeah. But it, what, you can't make it past five hours? <laughs> <of words? laughs> but it really is a different format, mm. right? Because you're thinking in terms uh, of that length and not just that, but you're thinking in terms of what suits that kind of story. And then you start writing different stories. And that was the big deal for me because instead of writing, you know, adventures or, or sort of long tail stories or, you know, mm. uh, very in-depth political whatever Machiavellian yeah. politics stop all that and I went down to the roots and I started writing stuff that I like to read you know like uh, Robert E. Howard's Solomon Kane or yeah. Conan or you know mm-hmm. it's at those kinds of stories and then adding in what I learned from the novel and putting into that mm-hmm. so I guess that's you know suffice to say it just illustrates what you're trying to say to begin with and that is you know be experimental and try different things yeah be and, open to it yeah mm-hmm. final comments from any of you guys Oh, oh. <laughs> I think we're good. No, um, well, just I had a bit of advice I wanted to give people as well. Just mm. if they are looking at starting, yeah. um, I wrote an article about this on my blog. And if, if you want more detail, read about that. But what I do tell people when they're starting out is it's okay to be awful. It's yeah. okay that your first piece of writing is going to be terrible because you're just starting out. And it, that's okay. And you'll get better as you practice. Um, if you kind of want proof of that. Read my diary. Yeah. Read my <laughs> diary. Listen to me play the guitar after two and a half years of lessons. Oh, it's yes. still awful, but I'm still better than where I was at the start. Exactly. So yeah. if you are wanting to start, it's okay to be shit in your first few goes. Yeah. You'll get better and you'll end up developing a lot more. And I think the idea that we as human beings, we'd never stop learning. Mm. Like, I don't think there's any point where we can say, we got it. Yeah. We're good. You know, we've learned everything we need to. We just never get there. So in that way, we never stop learning. And obviously, at the start, things are going to be, like, really rough. Again, like you said, read my, read my blog. Read my book, too. Like, read my first book. I'm even... Buy it online. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Buy it online. It's actually Amazon.com slash show. Uh, thing is, it's discontinued, so I'm safe oh, there. Oh, damn. Um, but the idea is... Uh, and I was even... Funny you mentioned that, because I was actually in the process of thinking about an article that I was going to write about mm. Inquisitor, not the first book that I wrote, yeah. a novel published. And um, it, it, I, I set out, you know, a couple of years down the track, I was like, you know what, second edition, here mm. I come. We're going to revamp this, uh, clean up stuff. Fix uh, up the dialogue. Fix up dialogue, yeah, smarten up some characters, do some really good stuff. Then I thought, and this sort of just came to me a couple of days ago, and, and and I really want to talk about this uh, in a more in-depth way. But suffice to say, I don't want to change it. Mm. I want it to be left as it is, raw and awful as it is, for, for, in my perspective. Yeah. And leave it there because, to me, it's a learning experience. By going mm. back and trying to mess around with it, I'm trying to improve on what my brain was when I wrote it. New wine, old wineskins. <laughs> <laughs> Or that, George Lucas. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't I don't want to do that. And yeah. uh yeah, sure, you know, go clean up the text and the errors Disney, or whatever. Right? What? <laughs> we, well, sorry, we're talking Star Wars. We forgot <clears throat> that they ordered oh, okay. you Whoosh. from the conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um but <laughs> how rude. <laughs> very. Um but yeah, exactly. It's it's in that way of accepting what you've done and yeah. learning from it and not being ashamed of that, Ooh. you know, in that way. In that case, would you not be open to writing a sequel? Oh, no. Like, I would... I don't know if I'd write in that universe simply because I don't think I have an idea for it yet. Mm -hmm. I don't like the idea of sequels without being fully invested in knowing what I'll do. Yeah. Um, But that story, that story as itself, uh, The Inquisitor, His Road to Redemption, 
stays exactly like it is. And I don't think I'm going to go in and change it. Um, but I guess that's my final thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I think that wraps it up for the podcast. I just thought before we go into the final um, pieces, can we have the uh, the place where you have your club? Yes. The restaurant or exactly. cafe? Or restaurant or cafe, various locations. So start us off with where we can find you on, you know... On various medias. On various medias yep. and where you can find you physically, uh, mm-hmm. the Readers and Writers Club. So go physically. for it. Physically, okay. Um, <laughs> I do turn up physically into these places, but I'll start with myself as a person first. <laughs> yep. So if you're on Twitter, my handle is Melbtown. Uh, love to see you there. It's, I always love to have a good chat about it, pretty much anything. Uh, if you want to hear more about random adventures of a superhero, that's Super Melb on Twitter. Uh, they're both same things on Facebook as well. Mm-hmm. For the clubs, if you go to meetup.com slash melbreadwrite, you'll keep up to date with what we're up to there, along with any details for that residency I mentioned at the start of the podcast. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've both got their own Twitter accounts, but you're better off going meetup.com and going from links there because their names escape me at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and aside from that, just melbtown.com.au for anything that I write myself and am in charge of. Sounds good. Luke? And the cafe name. Oh, sorry. The ca- sorry. The <laughs> I've been waiting for this. I, term, did right? not, <laughs> I did not mean to ignore you, Luke. <laughs> my terrible memory at last five seconds. Uh, so the Melbourne Writers Club meets on the first Tuesday of each month at La Vida Buona, which is in the city square just next oh, to Oh, how do you spell that one? La, L-A, uh, yeah. Vita, V-I-T-A, yeah. Buona, B-U-O-N-A. Uh, that's right next awesome. to Melbourne Town Hall in off Swanson Street. So that's the first Tuesday of each month from about six thirty onwards. That's the where we get a writer in, different writer each time, have a chat, have a bit of a Q and A, drinks, everything. It's all there. Uh, the Melbourne mm-hmm. Readers Club, which was on uh, yesterday, was the last one. So it's on the second Tuesday of each month. Mm-hmm. That is at the Kelvin Club, yep. which is oh, another one. Talk the other one, well, quick. <laughs> closed his notebook. Oh. He asked me the question <laughs> twice. <laughs> he still not closed the notebook. And he's club. like, I'm Kelvin, done. Kelvin, <laughs> Kelvin Club. The Kelvin Club, named after Sir Lord Kelvin. I'm buying you more time by describing his life. Um, <laughs> that's at 14 Melbourne Place. It is opposite the Portland Hotel on Russell Street. That's from 7 p.m. on the second Tuesday of each month. And you'll find us at the fireplace with me, probably with a red wine in hand towards the night that switches to whiskey, but that's my own uh, alcoholic problem. <laughs> <laughs> so, talking about alcoholic problems, we go to Luke. What? Uh, <laughs> it's smooth. <laughs> it was that diary, man. It was that diary. <laughs> Ruined you forever. <laughs> what are you doing? Where can we find you? Uh, what am I doing? Uh, writing that new thing that I'm not disclosing yet. But you'll Sounds be able good. to find information about it hopefully very soon. On you my did website. say the character's name and the world in on your blog, I so you can check it did. out. There. Oh, I did. Yes, you I did. did. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I know more about you? That's weird. Uh, normally, ghost I don't. It's clearly a yes. ghost writer. <laughs> it's clearly <laughs> me. It's not me anymore. Yes. Uh, yes. So Talmir is the new character that I'm writing, and you'll find more information about him soon. And so that's. At, you can find my updates on thesoulshardchronicles.com or follow me at thesoulshard on Twitter. Sounds good. As for The Morning Bell, you can find The Morning Bell, themorningbell.net for all the journal. Um, the, also, this episode will probably be up there as well as on iTunes. The iTunes link is way too long, so <laughs> just, just wait for my tweet. Yeah. As for my Twitter, you can find me at the pen of Joel. You can follow me on my website, thepenofjoel.com. And that's about it. Our next podcast is in two weeks. Uh, we have, uh, I, we're trying to figure out whether the guest is coming on and that, which guest is coming on. It's a little <laughs> bit of a confusing topic, but pretty sure uh, a guest is going to be on the podcast. And um, would love to see you live as well as online. So thank you very much, Dan. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you, guys. Love to see you again. Yep, All good right. conversation.